Patrick, I tell you, that was outstanding because it, the music he prepared for this morning fits right into the sermon I want to preach. You know, we're going to be talking tonight, today, about the power of prayer. I don't know if you all realize that, but we have just been recipient of a lot of prayer. Elijah's going to mention this again, but as you all know, many of you know, that this school here that we've been in for the last four years is going to renovate this summer. So we had to find another place. And if you weren't here last week, we announced that through prayer, God has given us an outstanding place that's better than the place we have now. Isn't that just like God? Isn't that just like God? Now, what you all may not know, and I found out myself this week, that when we originally were planning to, for this second location of Cross Life Church, this is, the church, this is the school we wanted to be in. But it wasn't available. Now, I was thinking about this even last night as I was praying for this service. One of my favorite paraphrases, now hear me, I said paraphrase, because I want anybody to come to me and say, well, you didn't quote that verse right, Pastor. So it's a paraphrase. It was found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. God does not always give you what you ask for. He usually gives you something better. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm excited. Are you excited? If you're not excited about being here this morning, your word's wet. And if you're not excited about being here and worshiping God, come and see me after service because you probably don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Folks, we need to get excited about the Lord. You know, if his people are not excited, who else do we expect to be excited? So I want you to pray with me as we get ready to delve into God's word this morning. Pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for this day. This is a day that you have given, and it's a gift from you. And you tell us to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, I thank you for giving me the privilege of being here today. And so, Lord, I pray, and each of you pray this, speak to my heart, Lord. Show me the way you want me to go. Let me be all that I can be in the kingdom of God. Lord, give us all here a sense of your presence. Lord, give us a peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, I pray today that none of us will leave here as we came in, and we, that we all might know the privilege we have in prayer. Through the blessing of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, uh, Acts chapter 12, and we're going to be re- reading from verse 5 through 19. And uh, thank you for allowing me to have this light, because the first time, <laughs> thank you, first time I was here, I know you all thought, Bless Brother Herb's heart, he can't read. No, it wasn't I can't read. They put me in the dark and I couldn't see, you know. So I stumbled. So maybe I'll do better this morning. Okay, here we go. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered for God for him by the church. Constant prayer, ladies and gentlemen. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city. 
which opened to them of its own accord. Now that's a miracle. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hands of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked on the door, of the, uh, on the door at the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the door or the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and he probably hollered, let me in. But it doesn't say that, but I just, that's what I would do. He kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But by motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go and tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as, then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went from down from Judah to Caesarea and stayed there. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, church, we see here a tremendous, tremendous answer to prayer. You know, in our text this morning, what I just read, we find Peter waiting for whatever Herod has planned for him. And I guarantee you, it wasn't nice. <laughs> he was, you know, Herod was trying to stamp out Christianity. He felt threatened for his kingdom. And uh, so we don't know what he had in store for Peter. But I know it wasn't what Peter was going to be enjoying. Peter, there was no way that he could escape by his own means. You know, did you get the text? He was being guarded by 16 soldiers that worked six-hour shifts in teams of four. One soldier trained to each side of him. Now, can you imagine that's being uncomfortable sleeping because he got a soldier here and he got a soldier there and they didn't sleep on guard duty. And so he's trying to sleep. And, you know, I'm sure those soldiers kind of get a little restless, you know. And so they pull him. So, he, I, you know, but he was sleeping because he had the peace of God, I believe. And uh, then he had two soldiers standing outside the cell to make sure he can't get out. And not only that, there are multiple guard posts and locked gates that must be passed in order for him to be free. Now, Here's the key. Fortunately, Peter had the church praying for him fervently. They were crying out to God for Peter's release. Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But it's been my experience that on Sunday morning, we'll have a crowd. In the churches I have served and been in as a layman, Sunday evening, the crowd is a lot less. On Wednesday, when we have Bible study and prayer, it's really less. I'm not being critical. I'm just being factual. The church I, that I serve and the church that Dorothy and I moved our membership to in Sebring, Florida, we have a huge building. Not quite as large as the main campus, but it's a pretty good-sized building. It's, it's in the round. And it's, it's packed on Sunday. Now, 
The first Sunday I walked in there, the first thought I had was not a spiritual thought. I looked around and I thought, I've never seen so many old people in all my life. (laughs) And then I found that this was a real retirement community. And then we have a Sunday evening service. And then I have the privilege of doing the Wednesday evening. Sunday morning, we're packed. Sunday evening, we have to move from the auditorium to the fellowship hall. And it's, it's about three-quarters packed. And then on Sunday, I mean, not Sunday, Wednesday, when I'm when I, uh, there, and, you know, maybe something has something to do with me. I don't believe that's what it is. Because we have a good meal, and we have people come and eat meal, and they leave. They think it's the Wednesday restaurant that's cheap in Sebring on Wednesday. <laughs> and that's not what it's there for. But they leave, and we have, I think last week I counted, we had about 38 people. And we have a real time of prayer. Now, what am I, what am I saying here? Because we're talking about the power of prayer. Do you realize that when we pray, and, and, and again, I'm going to come back to this. So I'm, I don't want to get ahead of my point. But we have the resources of heaven. And there's a lot of strength in prayer. And, you know, we, we pray when we have a real crisis. Peter had a real crisis. And so the church is praying. But I, but I remember a time in Lilburn, Georgia, when uh, the city council had hired this New York firm. I don't know why they hired a New York firm. They hired a New York firm, paid them thousands and thousands of dollars. And they came back with new rules and regulations. And we found out before it was supposed to be voted on that in that rules and regulations that we could no longer have Bible studies in neighborhoods. Now, we were starting churches in neighborhoods by having a Bible study. And then, you know, that's how we started our churches. And we planted our churches. And, you know, you could have a party. I'm not being mean and ugly. But you could have a party with all kinds of drinking going on and loud noise and all that. That was permissible. But you couldn't have a Bible study. And the word got out to the churches. And you heard me say churches. I'm not just talking about the Baptist churches. The Episcopals. The Catholics. You know, everywhere. And when they found out how many of us were coming, we, they were being bussed in. And, and, the, and the auditorium was so full. They had to change the venue to a big old auditorium. They moved it from the city council room to, to a high school uh, gymnasium and put chairs out on the floor. And we couldn't get the people in. And I never will forget. And there was a lot of praying going on. The chairman of the, of the, uh, the, the county council stood up and said, Folks, we've already had a private meeting discussion. And uh, we've already thrown this out. Uh, we're not going to vote for this. The answer is no. Y'all can go home. And we went home. And they're still starting Bible studies today. That's the power of prayer. Okay? So let's talk and see how six aspects of the power of prayer here that we see in our, in our text today. First thing, I want you to see that prayer breaks the bonds that hold us. Now, I've got to make sure you get all your blanks this morning. We had a meeting. <laughs> Not for you. For my wife. She doesn't like it when she don't get all the blanks. So anyway, I'm just being honest with you. How do we see, we see Peter in this cell? And, he, and he's chained to guards. And he's got guards outside his cell. And then there's gates. And then there's other guards in the prison. He, he was bound. There was nothing he could do. 
he could struggle, but he wasn't going anywhere. Now, what do we learn from this? Well, sometimes we forget to make the application. Every one of us in here, sometime in our life, and if you haven't received Jesus Christ, you're still bound. You're bound under the slavery of sin. You're bound under the captivity of Satan. But praise be to God. Just what God did for Peter, he's done for all of us. That's the application. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sin. But praise be to God. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he broke those bonds. We're no longer bound. We're free in Christ. And we need to remember that. I think sometimes the church forgets that. Who we are in Christ. That we're no longer under bondage. That God has set us free. So, prayer breaks the bonds that hold us. Now, this is a freebie. Everything in your Christian life, everything is accomplished through prayer. You receive Christ through prayer. You receive a fresh filling daily. Hopefully you pray for a fresh filling daily of the Holy Spirit through prayer. God says, if you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of everything we've ever done. Now, what is confession? Prayer. You got it. So everything's done by prayer. So our bonds have been broken. But then I want you to see number two. Prayer gives guidance when we don't know the way. All right. It was not enough just for God to break his bonds. But he had to have guidance. I promise you. I've had the privilege of having a jail ministry in the past when I was in Georgia. You know, it it always bothered me. I mean... It bothered me when I'd walk in those jails and those, slam, those doors would slam. <laughs> Not because I was doing anything wrong then, because I was a child of God. But I always remember the things I did before I was a child of God, I could have put and arrested for, and it always bothered me. But, but the thing is, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be in a prison. And, 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 they, and they, can, they can be hard to navigate. So Peter stands up. His bonds have been broken. But he didn't know how to get out of that prison. He didn't know how to get past those guards. He didn't know how to get past those gates. He had to have guidance. And if you look at the, remember the text, the angel walked him out. Ladies and gentlemen, receiving Christ is not the end, it's the beginning. And for our whole Christian life, we need guidance. And where do we find that guidance? In the Word of God. In the Word of God. God said that he's going to put a plumb line in the midst of his people. Do you all know what a plumb line is? A plumb line is something that you use to keep, to keep it straight, to go, you know, go in the direction you know, you know, so you don't get crooked. Now, I didn't know anything about a plumb line when I was a young man, and I worked for this corporation. I, I was in the warehouse at the time, and I was asked to build, take pallets and nail them together in squares, and then nail the square. <laughs> That's when I was a hunk, guy, ladies and gentlemen. And, 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 and nail those together and make squares and then nail them together and build a wall. Uh, against the wall, build a shelving that we can put used equipment in. 
So I started that project, got big letters. I'm hammering everything. Man, I thought I built the greatest shelves you ever saw. My boss came back to inspect it. And I noticed he went. And then I went. I started square. But as I built that thing, it was a leaning tower of shelves. You know, last time I was there, it was many years ago, it was still standing because I put so many nails in it, it would take dynamite to blow that sucker apart. But I didn't use a plumb line. So you, you, can be, you can be free in Christ, but unless you've fallen his guidance, you can still be a little crooked. You all understand that? Now, it's not enough to read the Bible. I, I, I was so fortunate that, that I was taught early to, when, to not read, like, I'm going to read a whole chapter. Well, there's two or three themes in this chapter 12. My pastor taught me, read a passage. Keep it in context. Before you read it, ask God to show you, prayer, what the passage means. And then after you read it, read it again. And then after you read it again, ask yourself, am I doing what God has shown me? And if you're not doing it, and God has told you to do something and you're not doing it. You know what we call that? Sin. That's what we call it. And so you just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And if you'll help me to apply the word, I'll apply it to my life. That's how you grow in Christ. And that's how you have the guidance of God. Because you're hearing his word and find out what his word is telling you for your life. And how long do you have to do that? Forever. Folks. If you ever think you arrived, you're going backwards. You know, I, I shared with you that story a few weeks ago about the 55 years of marriage, and I won't relate it again, but I learned something about Valentine's. You all remember those of you here? I'm still growing in my marriage, and I'm still growing in my relationship with Christ. So we need guidance. But not only that, the third thing is prayer conquers the captivity of the enemy. The Bible says in the 8th chapter of Romans that we're more than conquerors. If God be for us, who can be against us? I wish I had a dime. I wish I had a nickel. I wish I had a dollar. For over the last 50 years, every time someone has come to me, and they're talking, and they're needing healing from something that happened in their past. See, that passage said that when he woke up, what did he think? He thought he was dreaming. He thought he was having a vision. He thought it was not real reality. Have you ever had a, had a dream that is so real to you that, that you don't know if you're awake or you're asleep? You know, God is so good, he always gives me illustrations. This week, I don't know why it was on my mind, I dreamed that my house had been broken into. And I could see the shattered door. I could see the, the, the stuff that was scattered about. And I woke up. And I wasn't sure. So I got up, turned the light on. I'm a tech guy. I got on my phone. I initiated my security cameras. And I searched the house. Fine as a fit. Honey, is fine. But the reality of that dream was so real to me. That's what happened to Peter. He didn't know if he was dreaming or, if, or the reality. And so 
here's the point I'm trying to make. I know individuals. I know individuals who have been, they, they have conquered, they've been forgiven of everything in their past. But they're still living in the past. They're still letting the past keep them in bondage. God has forgiven them, but they haven't forgiven themselves. Folks, understand, anything before Christ is in the past. The Bible says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all the things come what? New. Do you believe God? I do. I'm sorry, that female shot. I do. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Don't live in bondage. When you're free. Don't do that. Because you'll never do what Christ would have you to do. If you're still. In bondage to something you did in your past that you've already been free from. For example. What did Paul say? I forget those things that lay behind. Over in Philippians. I forget those things that lay behind. And I press on. For the high mark that's in Christ Jesus. Folks. Forget, can you change anything you did in your past? I can't. So, and if you've been forgiven, just go on. And if you're still worried about it, say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit search. And if there's anything I need to confess, let me confess it. Confess it. Receive your forgiveness and forget it. Move forward. Don't stand still. God has never called his people to stand still. He's called us to go forward. And you know, there's a, you know, things pop in my mind. There's a verse of scripture. If you notice that when you put on the armor of God, it's all frontal armor. Well, there's a verse of scripture in Isaiah that says, don't forget about your backside. Forget about your backside. God's guarding your backside. You just go forward. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But then fourthly, prayer gives us gladness in times of distress. Every time I read this passage... It just tickles me to death. Peter's free. His bonds have been broken. He's received the guidance out of the prison. Everything has been forgiven in the past. He goes to Mark's mother's house. And he knocks on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And Rhoda comes to the door. Young girl. And she recognizes Peter's voice. And she gets so excited... She doesn't open the door. She turns on. She runs. And she is. She is. You know, they said, you're beside yourself. Boom. No, I'm not going to do that. I could break something. She's beside herself. She's so overjoyed. Now, here's this church. They've been praying fervently. But that's the next point. But here's the thing. They went to the door. And when they saw Peter... They were astonished. And he came in and he told them all that had happened. Ladies and gentlemen, how often are you astonished when God answers a prayer in your life? There's not one of us in here at some point in time that haven't prayed. We've been in distress. And we prayed and we prayed. And God answered our prayer in a marvelous way. And we were delighted. Now, I'm going to share something with you. And 
as I say all the time, all I can share with you in the Christian life is from my Christian. I don't know about your Christian life unless you've shared it with me. And so when I say this is what happened, it happened, don't think, well, look at Herb. No, don't look at Herb. Look at Jesus who answered Herb's prayer. Years ago, when I left the corporate world, because I didn't want to do what they wanted me to do, I bought a business. And, I mean, we were doing going well. I hadn't had this business for, oh, about a year or so. And I looked out the window of my building, and I saw this guy with a looking through this little thing, tantrum, and there's another guy one foot from my front door, and he's pounding a stake in the, in, the, in the ground through the asphalt. And he takes yellow paint and paints a circle around it. What do you think I did? I went, what's going on? What's going on? He says, oh, this is right. We, the, the new 285, the inner circle of Atlanta is going to come right through here. They haven't called you yet? Contact? No. Well, they'll contact you, and they'll make arrangements to buy your business. So I checked. They were giving 50 cents on the dollar. I was going to be ruined. Fortunately, government moves very, very slow. So when I didn't have any customers, now forgive me for what I'm about to say, I'd go into the men's room of my building, lock the door, put the toilet lid down. I'm still a fairly new Christian. I'd sit there and I'd cry. Couldn't let my employees see me cry, but I'd cry and I'd beg God, God, you know. And I did that for weeks, for months. I had a customer. He had a six-story hotel on Ponce de Leon. He was telling me what they gave him for it. Now, he was about a mile and a half behind my, or two miles behind my business. And they tore it down. I don't know where it is now, but years ago, you go in, and there's just a big old hole there. Because guess what happened? Some little bird that was on the extinguished list <laughs> built a nest in the tree, and they canceled the whole project. Now, everybody thought that, you know, but I'll tell you why that bird's there. Because Brother Herb, I believe this, cried and cried and cried on that toilet seat, <laughs> and God answered the prayer. And they've never built that, by the way. There's a 285, but there's new, no 245. That's when I really started believing in the power of prayer. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you talk about delight. I was ecstatic. And I've told that story. Full of it. In fact, when I first came to the main campus years ago and I was preaching, one, and I, I shared that story. If you go in there and ask, that's one of the few sermons they remember. They call it Herb's Toilet Sermon. So, <laughs> And then we see prayer responds to results. That's the next point, even when we don't expect them. Now, here's the church. Right at the beginning, it says they were praying feveredly. Feveredly for Paul. Paul shows up. Where was their reaction? They were astonished. They were astonished. So they've been praying, and they believed that God could do this. Well, they knew the God, but they didn't believe he would do it. Here's my point. How many times do we pray out of real need? And we know God can do this. But we really don't expect him to. 
And sometimes when he does it, we're not even aware of it because we forgot what our prayer request was. Ladies and gentlemen, we serve a mighty God. Anything God wants you to accomplish, anything God wants this church to accomplish in prayer and by putting feet to our prayers will be accomplished. Is, has, is God weak today compared to he was in the 2,000 years ago? Has, has he lost his power? No. The problem is the church has lost its enthusiasm for building the kingdom. That's what it is. We got so surrounded with, with I mean, miraculous things. A few months ago, did you know you all could swallow a flashlight and they could look at everything inside you? And I want you to know something, folks. When I saw those films of my insides, they're ugly. No wonder God covers us up with skin. I'm telling you. We live in a marvelous world. But you know what they said? Oh, this is a great discovery. No, it's not. It's been there all the time. God just let somebody to realize it was there. Because God already made that possible. The Bible says God cannot accomplish what we do not believe. Folks, it talks about we start out with no faith. Then we have a little faith. Then we have faith. And then we have the faith that can move mountains. If we want to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, we got to start having great faith. And we got to start having a very effective prayer life. So, my last point. And you're saying, Whew. prayer delivers defeat to the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, church, God's children. The early church was growing in numbers. In fact, they were turning the, their world upside down. The first century Christians almost won their world. Some of the benefits that they won, we're still experiencing today. But I want you to notice they didn't do it by carrying signs. They didn't do it by having rallies. They didn't do it by any other means than being faithful to serve their God. Regardless of what happened. They never prayed. And let me, let me digress a little bit. You remember when Peter and John were beaten in the temple and told not to share the gospel? And Peter, with great boldness, when just a few weeks before, he denied Christ three times. He said, you tell us what we ought to do. What you say or what God says. And they, and they got beaten. And here's the thing. They praised God that they've had the privilege to suffer for Christ. They praised God. When we suffer, we don't praise God. When we you know, suffer for the cause of the faith, we don't praise God. And I'm not mean, mean and ugly. I'm, I'm trying to bring facts. I'm, I'm trying to, to bring the concept that God is just as powerful today as he's ever been. And the church has the same resources that the early church did. 
But we get used to easy Christianity. We don't want to rock the boat. Remember, Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. We got to get out of the boat. We got to get out of the four walls of our churches. We got to get out in the community. We got to believe that God can do great and mighty things. The early church, we need to take a lesson from the early church. The early church didn't stage rallies. You know how, you know how they won their world? One by one. You remember when God told, the angel of the Lord told Joshua to tell the people to walk around Jericho? And what did he say? Well, at least some of them sitting there. Just take some of them. No, he said, take all of them. And then on that last day, they walked around seven times, all of them. And then they gave a great shout. Folks, we'll never win our world. We'll never grow our church as long as we're sitting in the pew comfortable. How many of you got friends? How many of you? you I'm not trying to trick you. Good. So you all have a circle of influence. Now, how many of your friends have friends that you don't know? And how about the friends that they don't know, don't know? Folks, take a lesson from email. You send one thing out, or Facebook. I don't like using Facebook because, you know, I'm not a Facebook guy. I'm an email guy. (laughs) I won't go there. I'm thinking all the time, folks. Facebook, you put something out, and all of a sudden, One million hits. The early church won and defeated the enemy because you couldn't stop them. They would not stop sharing the gospel. And when they were persecuted in Jerusalem, the Bible says they all went out and scattered and they went and they shared the gospel everywhere they went. If every one of us today Every one of us would just tell one person about Jesus. Now, they may not want to hear. That's their right. But you'd be surprised how many people who are struggling are ready to hear. And God knows who, who they are. So if we're going to win our world, we got to do it through prayer. we got to do it through getting outside the church. And we need to remember who we are in Christ. Let me close with this. As I finalize, I want to remind you that the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let me share with you what Jesus said in the 15th chapter of John. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Now that seems like a pretty blanket promise, but you know what? You got to see what it says. It says, if you abide in me, first of all, you got to be in Christ. And secondly, if your word, if my word abides in you. Now, that's, that's the key. Because if, if I'm praying through his word and in his word, I'm not going to be praying selfish prayers. James says, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you pray amiss. You pray for your foolish pleasures, basically. In other words, we pray selfish prayers. Lord, give me this. Don't let me suffer this. No. 
Here's what I want you to hear today. Be all that you can... Be all... You got scared, didn't you, Paul? Be all that you can be in Christ. Be on mission for Him. And realize who you are in the Lord. And trust that He has a plan for you. I may share this again next week, but... I had the privilege of doing a funeral last Friday for a dear friend of mine. Many of you may know him, Parker Brennell. And as I visited his family, they were sharing with me one of his favorite sayings. And I can't get it out of my mind. I have written it down everywhere. I'm going to remember this. He says, God has a wonderful plan for your life. He doesn't have a wonderful life for your plan. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for this day. I thank you for these, Father, who are here. Lord, I pray that, Lord, they might see your heart. I pray, Father, they might recognize who they are in Christ. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that in all things they will seek your guidance. And that, Father, in everything, Lord, that they will be obedient to your command. Lord, let us go from this place realizing who we are in Christ and realize that, Lord, it's not our power and it's not what we do, but it's your power working through us. But, Lord, we got to be willing to be the conduit. we got to be willing to be the one that is being used. we got to be your eyes and your mouth and your feet. And so, Lord, help us to be what you want us to be. Through the blessing of Jesus Christ, I do pray. Amen.